morning and happy Monday. I'm Sana and I'm so excited to spend some of our Monday morning together. And look, you should know that I, in fact, love Mondays. So having this show here on its new home, new day, new time is absolutely perfect. This is Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM. Every Monday morning, I'm joined by experts from across the country who are investigating our most pressing social issues and common curiosities. Over the next hour, you'll learn about their inspirations, motivations, and of course, what they know about the world around us. So grab that cup of coffee and get ready for a fun and insightful conversation. Now, I don't know about you, but one thing I absolutely struggle with is staying on budget. <laughs> and I know that I'm not alone. Between student loans, home expenses, credit card debt, and let's be honest, trying to make up for all the things we weren't able to do in the past year, there is a lot of money management that has to happen. To make sense of our money choices and help give us some insights on how to make the most of our money moving forward, today I'm joined by Justin Buonamo. Justin is the founder, owner, and CEO of Just Financial Foundations. Just Financial Foundations helps individuals, families, and businesses with their finances and operations, and they have several hundred clients worldwide. Just Financial Foundations has been ranked number one in the country for their services. Justin also teaches economics, accounting, and finances at the graduate and undergraduate level for local universities. Good morning, Justin, and welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, I am so excited because you are an expert about money, about finances, about something that is so important to all of our lives, but that I think often we kind of just figure it out as we go. Mm -hmm. And that's not what we want to do. <laughs> so No, no. So I am glad that you are here to kind of help us make sense of this very central part of our lives that we need real expert <laughs> guidance on. And I'll just start by saying this. I realize that for me, like I said in the intro, I really struggle with staying in budget. I don't think budgeting is a bad word. I know some people feel that way. I don't think of it like that. I'm very happy to budget. Um, and I'm really great at making one. <laughs> <laughs> but or maybe I'm not so great. I don't know because I can never stick with it. But I realize a lot of the the ways I feel about money really um, stems from childhood and what I saw my parents do with money. But also and from that feelings of um, scarcity in particular. So I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about where are where we get our money messages from and how that might be impacting us currently. 100%. And I think that you hit a lot of it on the head. So when it comes to people's emotions around finances, the first thing that causes those emotions, I find, is the past, their past. And so there's three facets usually of their past. The one is family. 
which is a big reason why I created this company. I had a, you know, a very successful um, career path in the Johns Hopkins medicine world and, you know, decided to, you know, take this pivot and create this company to help other families avoid what I went through, you know, when, when I was younger, saw my family go through. And so a lot of times people's emotions come from past family history. They had issues in the past. Their families weren't good with money. They didn't know how to spend it. They heard no a lot. Um, you know, the debt collectors calling the house, seeing things get repossessed, um, or just missing out on a lot of opportunities. Why does that family get to go on vacation and we can't? Why is that kid got those soccer cleats and I can't have those, right? And so a lot of that are emotions around finances or when it comes to the past, one of the facets of the past that they stem from is family and that relation, which, you know, everyone, a lot of people can relate to, mm-hmm. if not for generations of the past. Another one is personal you know, which kind of stems from them. It's just, we've, we've made our own mistakes. I've made my mistakes with finances in the past, right? And so we've made mistakes. Um, we've gotten ourselves into holes. And though those holes were self-inflicted, which I'll talk about in a second, which a lot of times aren't our fault, um, because of our own mistakes now, we have a poor emotions or mindset around money. And then the, the last thing is the sources are people that have taught you about money right? 95% of this country is financially illiterate. So I will allude to that in several different ways. So most likely, if you were taught around finances, the person that taught you, I like to say it was not a credible source. You know, they don't know their forehead from their elbow when it comes to finances, right? They have no (laughs) proof in the pudding. And they're the ones giving you insight and advice. They probably have a poor money mindset. And they've made you think money was evil and made you think that money was bad, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not true. It's just because of their experience. So a non-credible source, taught you stuff. So I always tell people like, would you take advice from an Eskimo on how to rake sand? Or would you take advice from a fat personal trainer, excuse my language, or like, you know, verbiage um, on how to get six pack abs? Probably not. Right. And so unfortunately, a lot of people that have given you advice in this world around finances are not a credible source. Um, And so with that said, a lot of your emotions stem from your past that come from your family, your personal mistakes or history, and then the sources that were giving you advice if someone actually even ever gave you advice. And all, and all of that in totality has now shifted your mindset around money to be poor, which is awful. I like money is, can be a beautiful thing, right? Money can be, there's so many great benefits um, to doing it. And so I think that's one of the biggest issues with the, uh, and then um, with where our money mindset comes from or poor emotions around finances. And the other thing is subjectivity. What I mean by that is people have no idea how much they should be making or how much they should be spending or what they're spending their money on or where they should be investing or how much they should be saving. And that subjectivity causes so much unnecessary stress and anxiety, right? I get people that come to me all the time. I think the majority of our results come from replacing your subjectivity with objectivity. What I mean by that is like people come to, I have no idea how to budget. We show you exactly how. I have no idea how or when I'm going to get out of this credit card debt. We show you exactly how. And though we don't initially make your financial situation any better, we do replace that subjectivity with objectivity. In turn, you massive, your, de- your stress and anxiety is massively decreased, right? And so there's so many different ways I can go down so many different rabbit holes around subjectivity, but just not having the correct guidance and information and action plan for your finances is what causes those poor emotions. Mm. Justin, there was so much there. And I think 
you know, when you talk about that stress and anxiety, I know that's something that all of us can relate to when it comes to money, feeling that stress and anxiety at some point, like you said, either it's because you don't know um, how you should be spending or especially how you should be saving. I think that's come up a lot, especially thinking about this past year um, and then not knowing who to go to for advice, which I thought that was so key when you said some of the sources that we've learned about money from are just not credible. Right. And I think that can kind of hurt to hear because I was thinking about just in the examples you gave, you know, if we have, if we're thinking about when we were growing up, we had adults in our lives or people who we saw as authority figures that we trusted. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. kind of think that trust extends to just all types exactly. of knowledge. <laughs> exactly. You're spot on. And that's just not true, right? Right, right. So unfortunately, we had our trust maybe in the right people, but just not for the right things, right? They weren't experts in money. And maybe if we even looked at their financial situations, we would have seen that. Uh, Mm -hmm. But we just trusted them and they were trusted advisors, trusted family, friends, whatever it is. um, And we have been led astray. And I think just hearing that, I think can also be a release for people, right? Like, hey, I did get some, you know, ideas or or lessons around money that maybe weren't correct. And that doesn't mean those people I learned them from aren't good people or aren't trustworthy people. But when it comes to finances, we need that expert advice. Yes. Now, you talked about having um, a money mindset that is really set on being, I would say being poor, right? Or that money is a struggle. And I hear people say that a lot. Could you talk more about that? Because I think maybe some people don't even realize that that's how they think about money in their life, that it's Mm -hmm. always going to be, you know, paycheck to paycheck, or they're never going to be able to, you know, save or get out of debt. Right, right. Um, So when people think that, and it's kind of like, like, let's just say, if you're not budging, if you're not doing the right things, and then, you know, feeling doomed around your finances, it's like, well, duh, of course, you're not, not, it's kind of like thinking that you're gonna get six pack abs while sitting on the couch eating McDonald's watching TV not working out, right? No, um, no, there's, there's no um, it's, it's, it's obvious why you're not getting the results. And so, but that's the thing is that people don't know where to go because they don't know that there's, they don't know who to trust. There really isn't no, any. there's, a, uh, nobody that are expert and trusted out there. That's, that's a tough combination finding with finances an expert and trusted source. And that's why we created this company to be that for people. Right. And so the biggest thing when it comes to finances is, I'll talk about like, you know, the forgiveness of yourself, like those first steps where to start. But one of the biggest pieces to the puzzle is that um, you need to be running an effective budget, right? And so we have budget templates for our clients that, um, you know, come with our, we have a, we have a membership for our clients. You know, one of the pieces that comes with it is the budget template. And yet, like I get people, and I'm not saying this is you, but I get people that come to me all the time, like, well, I'm great at making a budget. And when I see it, it's, you know, on a, a piece of paper, or they know that, you know, in their head, their rent is $8.50 a month, and they spend $14.99 on Netflix. And they've been trying to do better on eating out for the past six months with no success. That's barely a budget, let alone an effective budget, right? And so again, um, not everybody has the skill set to, you know, build the budgets we have. But point being, that is a pivotal piece. But society has created this negative stigma around budgeting. And it's like, oh, when people hear budget, they think they got to like, you know, sell their car and scooter to work to pay their bills or sell the bed and sleep on the floor. And like, that's so far-fetched. They think it's like a jail. It's like, no, your budget should actually empower you mm-hmm. to spend your money the way you want, but in a controlled, calculated, and confident fashion. 
And so that, that's exactly what we tell our clients. Trust me, I live my life. But my, I do it confidently, but also in a controlled manner. And so that's what we want for people. We don't want to even tell you how to spend your money. The budget should be able to do that for you, right? And so that's one of the biggest things with that. The first thing, though, the first step, you want to back up here before even getting into a budget, is you just got to forgive yourself. Mm-hmm. For whatever mistakes or lack of progress you have made in this life around finances, you have to forgive yourself because think of it this way. Again, 95% of this country is financially illiterate. So you were doomed from the start, right? Who was supposed to teach you this? Your parents probably fell into that bucket. Your teachers, your professors, it's definitely not taught at schools, right? Mm-hmm. So even if someone did teach you, they probably fell in that bucket, right? And so you were probably misled or not ever taught at all, right? Mm-hmm. So you were, you were uh, doomed from the beginning. And then- the, I, I hate this part of the game. It's another big reason why I started this company is that the finance industry is designed to confuse you and take advantage of you on purpose, mm-hmm. right? They make it, it's not as hard as it is. I, as soon as I break it down to my clients, they're like, this, this is actually super simple. And I'm like, you're right. It takes just the right person to teach them in the right manner that has the right intentions, right? Because the finance industry for years was designed to confuse you on purpose. So you sought them out and they took advantage of you in return, which is sickening. We have literally an epidemic in this country and we're going to take advantage of people and make it even worse, right? It's, it's, it's bad. And so with that said, with all that, um, now knowing that, like, no crap, you, you failed, <laughs> right? Like you, you were, the, the odds were completely stacked against you, right? And that's why the rich stay rich and the poor stay poor, unless you do something like I did and made a vow to my, or, you know, made a promise to myself that like, I'm going to do everything I possibly can to make sure my family never goes through what I went through when uh, growing up, make sure my family never has anything to ever worry about again. And I went on a rampage of years and years, hours and hours of research, books, podcast. Um, thankfully, my professional career had millions of dollars of financial responsibility, education, and all packaged it into this stuff um, that we teach to help people bridge that gap from my financial literacy and shame to financial peace and abundance. Right. So the point being is the first step is you got to forgive yourself, right? Because it most likely wasn't your fault. But the next step, though, is you got to step up and make a change. Because I tell people all the time, your past may have not been your fault, but it is darn well your responsibility to step up and take care of your future. Right. And so we want to provide that option for people to do that. And so we go through those intangibles first. We go through, you know, what's causing these emotions. How do we forgive ourselves? All right. But now let's step up. When you come to us, you have the best resources in the world, the best company in the world to help you take advantage of it. And the best part is our practices like our budget only take one to three minutes a day. And we've designed a system. That's all it should take. It shouldn't be. You shouldn't have to cure cancer to get better finances. Right. And so we tell people I tell people all the time, if I told you that an activity that cost you only one to three minutes a day would save you and or make you thousands of dollars and massively decrease your stress and anxiety and open up so many doors for you. Would you do it? Duh. And that's exactly <laughs> why we've become so successful because we offer that option for people. And that's exactly how it should be. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. I love all this. I especially love this idea of forgiveness because we can just think about other areas in our life where we feel a sense of shame or we feel like we're destined for failure like there's nothing that we can do to you know get better and we feel you know all additional stress and anxiety because we feel those kind of negative emotions so I think forgiveness you know to ourselves is so important to be a little more gentle with ourselves Mm -hmm. Because that gives us encouragement to make the change and feel like we can actually do it. And then the other part that I think is just so, 
I think empowering is what you said about the budgeting, which we're going to talk more about mm -hmm. much more about in a minute, but that a budget should empower you. Mm -hmm. I think that's so key because like you said, people hear the word budget, just like the word diet, and they right. feel right. automatically turned off, constrained. They already have a resistance to it. So I love this idea of budgets empower you. You still get to enjoy your life, but now you get to enjoy it stress-free, anxiety-free. And I'm so excited that you talked about how these changes um, to your, you know, to how you're thinking about finances and to the actual action steps that you're going to take only will require a couple minutes a day, mm -hmm. which means that you can do them every day exactly, and that they are simple and easy. And don't, again, we don't feel like it's a chore. And I think so often people feel overwhelmed by just money in general. And then additionally overwhelmed by this idea of, oh my goodness, it's going to have to, it's going to be something that's going to take so much of my time. And again, mm -hmm. just layering on that resistance. Agreed. Agreed. So that is exciting to know. Um, let's take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM. This is Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm Sana, and I'm here with Justin Buonamo of Just Financial Foundations. And we are talking about money. Yes. And Justin has already told us in the, just before the break that his company offers these easy to implement money solutions that are going to help us. I'm, I was about to say, help us get rich, but help us to manage our money, but also to increase right our, our finances mm -hmm. and our financial independence. And I'm super excited about that because y'all, I, I just want to reiterate, I have struggled with money. I think I, I'm like, I'm like the person on a yo-yo diet where I know some really good strategies and I kind of use them, but then I splurge because I'm so excited that I've mm -hmm. used them. And now I'm like, wait a minute, how did I accrue this debt? Um, so Justin, just listening to that, you know, what, what do you think about my yo-yo finances? How can I get off this treadmill of overspending, then saving, overspending, and instead actually reach a level where I do feel empowered and I am making these um, more, I think, healthier money choices? Right, right. So I think that what I'm going to say here is going to be great news to everybody because it's accessible to everybody. And this is the key to welcoming more money and welcoming better finances. And it is stewarding your current situation as best as possible. And people think that more money is the solution. It is not. If you don't have good money habits, you don't know how to steward your current situation. All more money is going to do. It's going to amplify those poor money habits. You're going to make more. You're going to spend more. You're going to make more. You're going to see just as little. You're going to make more. You're going to have the same exact problems you had in the past, if not larger ones, when you had less money coming in because we didn't correct the core of the problem, right? So the, the solution to this is stewarding your current money correctly. And before I get a little bit deeper into that one, right? It's one of my favorite books um, financially. It's probably the one that I always tell people to start with. It's called The Millionaire Next Door. And what they found in this book is they did a mass amounts of research on the average or the majority of millionaires in the United States. 
And what they found was that the majority of millionaires in the United States weren't making a ton of money. They were your nurse next door, your electrician across the street, or your plumber up the road. It had nothing to do with how much money they made, but everything to do with how they stewarded that money when it came in, how they budgeted, how they saved it, how they invested it, how they tithed it, um, how they expense prioritized, how they set goals, all those types of things. And over time, those added up to making them millionaires. And so that should be beautiful news for everybody. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I talk about stewardship, right? That is the key because for one, in most instances, God will never give you more money if he doesn't trust you with it. If you haven't proven that you can handle your current situation, right? Because, and the Bible says all over the place, it money is a test from God, right? And so I tell my clients all the time, when you get blessed with more, right? Instead of having that yo-yo prove or pass the test, God is testing you with that more. Right. And, you know, it'll be a revolving door if you don't pass that test. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I tell people all the time, the biggest issue that you're not expanding your finances is because you're blocking yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. You are blocking yourself for more. But when you learn how to steward your current situation, not be perfect, because I still make mistakes every day. When you're intentional about stewarding your current situation, you will open up lanes for yourself to receive more. And I promise you, it's a beautiful cycle to see happen. Right. Also, you're developing skills at a smaller level, a smaller income, an easier situation to handle. So when you are blessed with more, you have that skill set and that foundation to now be able to steward that next level correctly. So it's not a yo-yo. It's a continuous climb. It's continuous growth instead of those peaks and valleys that a lot of people go through that revolving door. Right. And then a lot of times you have a, a better situation than you think, right? Because of that subjectivity, people think, oh, my financial situation is awful. Like I've had so many people cry on the first call with me and then I put their budget together with them. And I'm like, actually, even after lifestyle baked in, you should be profiting like 500 bucks or saving 500 bucks a month. Mm -hmm. And so people are just seeing that. And I'm just like, now we can use these resources, use this current situation to help you get out of your, let's say your financial ruts, like credit card debt, and then also achieve your financial goals without even having to make any more money. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think that's the biggest, the biggest idea or the biggest understanding people have to have when it comes to betting your finances, you know, God's not going to put a million dollars in a bag on your front step. Right. Mm -hmm. And even if he did, that's not the solution, right? Mm -hmm. Everything that you need to better your finances is right in front of you, which is stewarding your current situation better and then welcoming more money because now you're deserving of it and know how to handle it. And I promise you, it'll continue. You'll always make your mistakes, right? You got to I tell people all the time, just like your walk with Christ is an everyday lifetime journey. So is your finances. Like, you know, I own one of the most successful companies in the world. I have a very good wealth, thankfully for myself at a, at a decently young age, but I still make mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. God made us imperfect on purpose. So, right. You have to expect mistakes, but if anything, just learn from them each day and continue to grow. And I think that that's, that's where, you know, you stop spinning your wheels in the mud is when you can grasp that. Hmm. I love that. I mean, just thinking about what you talked about in the first segment around forgiveness. And now this, what you just talked about with stewarding your current situation. I think both of those together already, it's like, wow, it's like, <laughs> that in itself is transformative because I think we do often think, well, if I just had a better paying job or if I just, you know, suddenly got this inheritance or won the lottery or, right. you know, whatever, right. that magically my money situation would improve. But you're absolutely right. It's not about the amount of money, but again, back to our mindset and the practices that we are using to manage, you know, whatever our financial situation may be. Yep. So that's good news. Although the, the other part of that is um, now we need to think, you know, more critically about how we're stewarding. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> how we're stewarding, stewarding our our money. Um, so we got to keep that forgiveness because we might find out that we have not been good stewards. Now, when we're looking at kind of the money that we're coming, that's coming in and how it's going out, what are some things that we should be maybe looking for that might give us some clues to maybe things we're doing good or things that we might want to change? Yeah, absolutely. So first things is, if you're not running a budget, first and foremost, then you're never going to optimize your finances, let alone get better. Like I tell people that all the time, you will never reach your full potential in your finances, let alone maybe not even ever correct it um, without running the budget, right? Because the budget is measurements. It's showing you how much you're earning and where your money is going, right? And then how much you have left over each month to hopefully go towards your financial goals to further your financial progress. And so people don't worry about this. You don't got to go build a budget on your own. We have a free training in our Facebook group. And then when you're done, if you want the additional training, it's literally $97 for the additional training. And it comes with our budget template, our custom budget template that all of our clients have that literally works gold for people only takes one to three minutes a day and gives you all the information you need. And so with that said, one thing you want to look out for, though, when it comes to your finances in general, right, and I think it plays into this conversation is your unique variables, right? So one thing that I'm huge on is that everybody's financial situation is different. There's no cookie cutter approach to finances. You need to understand your unique variables and be able to create a custom personalized approach based off of that, right? And so what I mean by that is I tell people, when I, I used to, like I said, I worked for Johns Hopkins on a, a business side for years. And I used to tell people all the time, just like when a patient walked through the doors of the hospital, we had to treat them differently than the last patient based on their unique variables that we expected them to get optimal outcomes. Mm -hmm. Simply put, we couldn't treat the diabetic patient the same way we treat the cancer patient because one of them was going to pass away. Same thing with people's personal financial situations. What's best for me may not be best for you. And what's best for your parents who are telling you to do your money or your friends or that random person at the coffee shop or the incredible source on social media may not make sense for you, right? So understanding that what your unique variables are. And so I'll give you an example, right? Unique variables, you got two kids, you own a house instead of rent and you travel a lot um, and you got family that you know lives in a different country. Those unique variables right there are going to justify you creating a different approach, right? And then I'll give you another one too, you know, budgeting wise. So every holiday season, my wife and I were, you know, big givers. So we like to budget out X amount in November and December, right? So we can feel good about doing that, right? Every July we go on vacation, unique variable. My fiance, she, or my, I'm sorry, my fiance, my wife, we recently <laughs> got married. I'm still getting used to that. Um, she works for Johns Hopkins. She's an administrator there. And so she gets paid every other week. So that means two months out of the year, she gets three paychecks instead of two. Mm -hmm. So understanding those unique variables in your lifestyle and within your budget are going to be huge for you understanding how to steward your correct situation, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the biggest issue. It's just like, I always give this example, like, let's just say my theoretical father, who's, you know, 59 years old, getting ready to retire, grew up in a different era than me, is telling me to dump all my money on my 401k, right? Because they grew up in the area that you have to live off your retirement. But then me, you know, um, being my age, you know, with my profession, my unique variables with having a very successful business and already having a strong financial foundation, I'm looking at him like he's crazy. Why would I do that? Like if I have to live off my retirement fund one day, then I was a failure, right? But I would rather have a different approach to my finances to invest in a little bit different, spend my money a little bit different based on my unique variables. So I hope that that, that makes sense in that. And then the, the last thing here is within your budget, you know, 
live your life the way you want, but in a calculated, controlled, and confident fashion. And so let me explain those three C's I always talk about. Calculated, right? So calculated, you have to know, obviously, how much you're making, how much your expenses are. So you have two sets of expenses. You have your fixed expenses, which just means they're the same each month unless something anomalistic happens, right? So like your mortgage, your car payment, your car insurance. Then you have your variable expenses. These are our areas of opportunity. These are the ones that vary each month. We have some control, if not complete control over these, like our groceries, our eating out, um, our miscellaneous, our shopping, those our gas, those types of things. So understanding for what your initial question was when, when the money comes in, right? You have to understand what your fixed expenses are and your variable expenses. And with your variable expenses, right? That's, that's where the kind of the calculated um, C comes in, right? You have to be able to calculate what all your fixed and your variable expenses are, right? And then the controlled one now comes in where it's like, we want you to go out and eat out. We want you to go, you know, take a vacation. We want you to go give back to society, but in a controlled manner, right? Instead of going willy nilly swiping the, uh, you know, the credit card at the mall or at the restaurants, right? Give yourself 400 bucks because it fits in and you're comfortable with doing that, right? And so that's the controlled mechanism. And then the confident mechanism is that you are tracking it every day or very frequently. So our budgets, we have an actual column. So you would track your actual spending. We have the budgeted column where we budgeted or, you know, give you a, an allotted amount to spend. And then where nobody has us in their budget, this is the biggest piece of the puzzle, which makes our budget so effective is the variance column, which shows you at all times in real time, how close you are to your actual spending to hitting budget. So then you're spending confidently, right? And so for one, you're going on vacation, right? You got it allotted, you know, then you're going out to eating out, right? and you're swiping the credit card and you know your variance column is telling you that you have 150 bucks left to spend on eating out. And so when you're swiping the card, you know that $70 bill fits in there. So you're mm -hmm. confidently spending your money now because people do all these things in life. They go on these vacations, they go to these fancy dinners, they treat people to this and they're not fully enjoying it because in the back of their mind, they're thinking, do I got to skip my car payment when I go home because of this, right? And so point being, calculated control. And that's the confident piece. Be confident in how you're spending your money by knowing that it's allotted for in the budget. I love that confidence piece. And this just goes back to what you said earlier about having these kind of easy to implement practices, daily practices. So you can feel confident instead of, I know some people's approach is, oh, I'm not going to look as if they mm -hmm. don't look, then it just doesn't happen. <laughs> right. But that's not how it works. Uh, but a lot of people do kind of approach their spending in that way that I'll just spend whatever and then I'll just see what the bill says and then they feel surprised uh, when they see all this debt that they have racked up or how they've been outside of kind of what they hope to spend. But what I thought was really important about what you said is that we all have these unique variables, um, whether that is, you know, how much we're making or the family, where we live, those fixed expenses, things like that. And I think that's often what gets lost when people try to piece together financial advice, um, mm. because that kind of generalized financial advice isn't necessarily taking into account your personal unique variables right. um, like it would if folks were talking to an expert like you, right? And getting that one-on-one -on -one help and that one-on-one -on -one advising, because what works for me, like you said, isn't going to work for you or isn't going to work for people in other situations. And I love what you brought up too about the generational differences, 
because our parents, our grandparents grew up in a different context than what Mm -hmm. we're growing up in. And so some of the things that maybe did make sense for them and that was sound advice right, for them and their kind of age cohort is just not the same for folks today who are, Mm -hmm. you know, entering adulthood now or in just this current um, financial situation um, that we all are in. So I think that's also good, a good reminder that folks probably, some folks maybe did have good advice, but it's just not relevant. (laughs) <laughs> so what's yeah, happening absolutely. right now? Absolutely. No, so I love that. I would I would love to touch on a few things if you don't mm-hmm. mind. Yes. Um, so with the um, you know, out of sight, out of mind type of thing, you know, I tell people, I tell people like they think that it's easier to do that. I actually tell them it's actually easier to pay attention to it. The only reason why you're out of sight, out of mind is because you're scared of the finance because you don't understand it because you never taught it in the right manner. And then you also, even if you wanted to handle it better, you don't know how, because you never taught how to do that. And that's the big void that we love to fill for people, right? So when you're taught it the right way in the right manner, it's so much easier to pay attention to it because when you're out of sight, out of mind, you are causing you and your family so much unnecessary stress and anxiety and so many missed opportunities in life. And mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, your finances, if you, whether you realize it or not impacts greatly, every other facet of your life, right? If you're not worrying about money in the back of your mind, you're sitting at dinner with your loved one and you're actually present, right? If you're not worried about money, you're not lashing out on your kids. If you're not worried about money, you're able to take them on vacations and give them opportunities, right? That you may not be able to before and confidently do so. Right. And so when you're not worrying about that money, I, think about this. Money is the number one reason for divorce in the United States. It's tearing households apart. Think about those problems it's causing. I guarantee you 70% of anxieties and stresses people have every day are somehow tied to money, if not more than that. Right. So imagine not having those stresses and anxieties and then be able to have that thought process, that optimism and that creativity to go towards everything else that you're doing in life. I promise you everything will be massively impacted and you'll become so much more successful at every other role that you have in life if you are able to become financially affluent, right? And it's that's what I tell people all the time. Those are the intangibles. Yes, we will make you very wealthy off what we teach you, but that's second to these intangibles, these, these ideas of becoming way less stressed, giving your family the best opportunity at life. And that's the most important piece to this puzzle. Right. And then, you know, another thing with, you know, the unique variables. Yes. Some of this general advice out there may get you decent results, may get you good results. But I tell people all the time, I'm not in this for good. I'm not even in this for great. I'm in this for optimal. And how you get optimal results in life, let alone your finances, is by understanding unique variables and taking that personalized approach. Um, So I love that you, you kind of reiterated on those. I just want to take them a little further. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think the whole kind of point here is that, you know, no problem is ever solved by avoidance. And that also right. applies to our approaches to money. Now, you mentioned something that I, I think probably a lot of people may be familiar with, which is that money definitely causes a lot of disagreements in relationships can eventually lead to divorce. And so I'm wondering, are there specific money questions or money conversations we should be having with our partner uh, before we even get to the, you know, till death do us part stage. Yeah, I, it's it's important to know where people's mindsets are around money. Like, what's your history of money? Like, um, you know, where are you coming from? Because a lot of times like I've got clients all the time. And for some reason, only the wife show up on the calls a lot of time and the husband's never there. 
But I think it's, I tell them, give them grace. For one, us males, we're arrogant and prideful a lot of times. And when society makes us think that, you know, we got to be ballers, you know, have all this stuff, right? And so with all that said, right, we don't have our money. A lot of, a lot of, guys or people in general may not have their money together. And so they're feeling insecure. They're feeling a lack of pride around that. They're feeling, you know, very down on themselves about that. So in turn, that shows up in the relationship. So if you can understand have that conversation with your sniffing other, like, what's your history with money? Like, do you understand money? It's okay if you don't. Most people don't. Like, make them feel comfortable with it. That's why one of the biggest reasons I think we've been so successful is we tell people just come to us, arms wide open, no judgment, no shame, no embarrassment, right? We understand that you probably don't know. And we get that, right? And you got to have that same approach with your significant other. And then the biggest thing where my wife and I, we try to implement this in our relationship. Thankfully, our, we have a really good money side, but let's just say other issues that we have, right? We always say, let's not make it um, that the problem come in between us. It's us versus the problem. Yeah. Right. So then you get that out there. You both are financial literate. There's the problem there. And then you guys team up and it's view versus the problem. Because I tell people all the time, joint finances should be a mass opportunity in life. Think about it. Think about what joint finances is. You get the opportunity to partner with your best friend who complements your strengths and weaknesses to achieve a common goal together, let alone that common goal is a financial goal. And you most likely have two incomes coming into the house to go towards that goal. It's basically cheating. <laughs> right. But instead, it's the number one reason tearing your household apart. So when you can conceptualize it that way, it changes a ton of things in your relationship when it comes to money. Mm, yes, I love that idea of we are teammates. We're going to tackle this together. It mm. gives you an opportunity to become closer with your partner. Right. When you can partner together to kind of reach this shared goal. And also, as you mentioned, where you can create a space where it's not about blame or shame, but mm. instead an opportunity to be open and honest and vulnerable with your partner. So I think that's a great way to think about it versus, you know, when we do feel shame about whatever it is, we tend to want to retreat in, into ourselves and not be open about it, whatever the issue is. And that can ultimately lead to even bigger problems. Right. Agreed. Yes. Well, let's take another break. You're listening to Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM. And we are back here on Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm Sana, and I'm here with Justin Buonamo of Just Financial Foundations. And we are tackling these money issues. I know that y'all have questions about money. I know that you are struggling with your budget like I am. <laughs> and so this conversation has definitely been so helpful in kind of um, unraveling some of our emotions around money and thinking about what is the best way forward so we get those optimal results. Now, I know one thing that has really impacted all of us financially has been the pandemic. Mm. I know people have, you know, lost jobs or maybe for the first time really thought about, oh my goodness, I should have some sort of savings, right? Because of that unknown of what might happen in the economy. And so I'm wondering from your work with clients, what do you see as some of, I'll say some of the opportunities um, when it comes to money and our emotions or even just money management that have been brought out because of the pandemic yeah absolutely um the one is you you basically said it it's it finally has shown people 
the reason why you need an emergency fund. So mm -hmm. I'm huge on an emergency fund and everybody's is different that we have a, another, don't worry about this. If you get, you hear that we have a free training um, in the um, Facebook group too, as well. And we've also created this analysis where you can dump your information into it and it spits you out exactly how and when you'll be able to call up the proper emergency fund for you and your family based on your unique variables. So that has become very popular um, <laughs> since the pandemic. And, you know, I think that it was really, really proven and that's needed because yes, you may never have to touch your emergency fund. I, I pray to God you don't, but that sense of security, that lack of decreased stress and anxiety, right? That security for you and your family is prices. You can't put a price tag on it, right? And so people always, again, take this with, um, I need to know your unique variables, but from a general standpoint, this could almost be, you know, a one-stop shop. But I, people always ask, Where my where's my money best spent? And so I tell them, again, I got to weigh your unique variables. And some of this is based on preference. But number one, when you have money left over at the end of the month, that we call it profit, right? You make $4,000 a month, you spend $3,000, you have $1,000 left over. Where is that best spent? I tell people in most instances, again, bear with me, I need to know all your unique variables, but it's best spent to storing away to build your emergency fund, right? Mm -hmm. And so everybody's is different. We teach you how to come up with your number. Um, and so then from there, your money is best spent towards interest bearing credit card debt. You know, you could swap those two based on preference again, or we could run a hybrid model where of that 1,500 goes to emergency, 500 goes to credit card debt. Again, we teach you all that stuff within our membership. Um, but then after that, you know, going towards a down payment on a house, that one's a little bit looser. Um, it depends on, you know, again, unique variables. And then after that, after you have those three accomplished, it's going towards investing. But for point, all of this I'm saying is that even before, the pandemic hit. That was always the way that I thought, but in a way, not that I'm happy that it happened, but I'm happy that people now see that that importance of that emergency funds, it's one of the biggest thing that came out of the pandemic. So um, my fiance and I, we weren't worried at all when the pandemic hit. For one, we were really happy that we were okay. Um, and then for two, we were able to actually help other people, which was awesome. Like family members and people that went through tough issues. And that is the biggest reward when it comes to your money, right? Mm -hmm. Is being able to help other people, right? And so I tell people all the time, if you say that you don't care about money, you're selfish. You're selfish. And I mean, you may not be intentionally being selfish, but you're selfish because of the unnecessary stress and anxiety you're causing you and your family and the people around you. Also the missed opportunities you're causing you and your family. And then also the lack of opportunity you can help other people. And the pandemic really showed that that money can be a beautiful thing if used the right way. All money does, it's literally a piece of paper or a piece of plastic, right? Money's not evil, right? If you're a crappy person, it's just going to make you an even worse person, right? It just <laughs> amplifies who you are. But if you're a good person, it's going to make you an even better person. And so to basically point being the two things that I think that came from the pandemic where the, they really proved to people that you do need an emergency fund, right? Mm -hmm. That you can live off for a couple months if something does happen. And then also the beautiful part of money where the people that weren't hurt by money were able to help other people. And that was the biggest thing for me. Other people saw the importance of emergency fund. And I was, thankfully, we already had ours. And I think it maybe solidified that a little bit more. But for me, the second one really came to true where it was just like, it's just an awesome feeling that, you know, I could wake up every day. And if something happens to my loved one, there's someone close to me or some, even a stranger, I have the ability to help them because of the money situation that we're in. Mm, yes. And I mean, just listening to you talk about that, you know, that's that confidence and that ease that comes with knowing, you know, having a firm understanding of your financial situation, but also how to steward it in the best way possible. So you can feel 
you know, not have that stress and anxiety that we often think about when it comes to money. But also, I think really importantly, being able to help others, Mm -hmm. which is such a beautiful position to be in. And we definitely saw that, especially through the pandemic. Now, I know that right now, a lot of people are trying to kind of make up for all the lost experiences that they had um, when we were more, you know, lockdown situation with the pandemic. And I know folks are, you know, traveling or just enjoying, you know, being able to spend money in in various ways. So I'm wondering, what are some things that we should take into consideration so that we don't kind of go overboard and maybe overextend ourselves trying trying to, you know, connect, reconnect with people. Right. I love that. For one, you have to understand what is, again, what is in your budget? How much are you making? How much are you spending? How much is left over at the end of each month? If there's nothing left over, you know, if you're running deficits, what it's called, you're spending more than you're making. You got to understand that deficit's either coming from your savings account and or going on credit card debt, accruing old bad interest debt and putting you further into those problems, right? So just understanding what's called your cash flow, how much you're making versus how much you're spending, right? And the next thing is, what are your financial goals, right? So you are incentivized to spend your money responsibly because you spending your money responsibly will expedite those financial goals, or if you don't, will slow them and maybe not even make them a reality, right? So sure, I tell my clients sometimes like, yeah, if you want to go on a thousand dollar vacation, please do. I want you to spend your money the way you want. I just want to help you support support you in making the best decision possible. What I mean by that is like, is that thousand dollar vacation worth another two months in credit card debt? Because we could have used that thousand dollars instead to pay off credit card debt, and then also worth the extra interest that you're going to accrue. So, is that thousand dollar vacation? worth three more months in a credit card debt, three more months of a ding credit score, and maybe another two, $300 in interest that you're going to accrue. If so, great, go ahead, do what you got to do. But I just want you to understand opportunity cost, right? And so the opportunity cost of your choices of going to try to catch up with people, going to try to um, you know, do these things to catch up for lost time with the pandemic, right? Is it worth delaying, if not fully hindering your financial goals? Right. And so point things, you have to have to understand what are your financial goals, right? Is it to get your emergency funds, pay off your credit card debt and buy a house? Great. Then are these things that you want to go out and catch up on worth delaying, if not fully hindering those goals? Right. And so that's what we talk about is opportunity costs. Again, we want you to spend your money the way you want. We just want you to be fully informed on how you're doing it. Right. And there's always the happy medium, too, as well. Right. Where, you know, if I want you to go out and spend your money, but I want you to be conscious of what what you how you're doing it. Right. So, you know, it's I'm not saying don't spend your money, but maybe you and your budget, you build out five hundred dollars for eating out. Right. And that fits in and you're still able to profit five hundred dollars each month or six hundred dollars, whatever you have left over. And you have enough to go towards your goals and the five hundred dollars it's strategically spent where it's like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to take my friend out to dinner. I'm going to go out and grab a cup of coffee. I'm going to go out and take this trip. And now you're confidently doing it because it's baked in your budget. And you know, you're still saving enough to go towards your financial goals and achieve those in the time frame that is satisfying and comfortable for you and your family. Mm-hmm. I love that confidence. Yes. Being able to create that confidence with our money choices. Now, you mentioned some of the financial goals that most people maybe, I don't don't know if should is the right word, should have, uh, but could you talk more about how we set those financial goals for ourselves? Sure, absolutely. So, 
you know, I think the biggest you have to understand, you know, security first, like the things that you can't put a price tag on. And so, which I think is, you know, a little bit more, I'm not saying keep your credit card debt sitting there, right? When I say this, you definitely want to pay that off, right? You definitely do not want to accrue interest. You definitely don't want to have bad debt, but a lot of those old interest bearing credit card debts are from past mistakes. So first off, stop using them poorly, right? And so understand, we teach you kind of how to utilize them correctly. But point being is, you know, first off, everybody should want to have the appropriate amount of emergency funds. Why would you want to, you know, risk all that, right? I tell people all the time, when you have your appropriate amount of emergency funds, I promise you're going to start drooling on the pillow a lot more. All right. So, you know, you don't want to, you know, I think just getting that out of the way is a great financial goal to have, right? Also, getting rid of old interest bearing credit card debt, bad debt is what it's called consumer debt from using them poorly, spending more than you're making, right? Or ignoring them, right? Because you are getting ruined with interest on those credit cards, right? You don't want to pay that interest. You want to make that money. You want to make that interest, right? You want to put your money to work for you into the paying a creditor that interest, right? It's not a financial goal to be to get out of those and then utilize them correctly because I am not one of those people that's going to tell you to cut up your credit cards. That is stupidity, right? Do not cut up your credit cards. Do not, you know, close your credit cards because that actually hurts your, your credit score, right? And so when you cut up your credit card cards or close them down, what you're doing is you're talking down to yourself and putting yourself in a box. For one, you're talking down to yourself because you're saying that you can't be a responsible human being and swipe a piece of plastic the correct way. Right. And then also um, you're putting yourself in a box because there's a mass amounts of benefits in utilizing credit cards the right way, like cash back, which is literally free money. Right. Like free travel. I can't remember the last time I paid for a flight. Right. And then also borrowing credibility. Right. You know, you may have a, a 720 credit score, but that's because you've never done anything. When you go out to get a car or you go to open up a, a credit card, or you go to get a mortgage. They're going to pull your report. They really don't care what the score is. They're pulling the report, the back end right? To prove that you are able to take a lump sum of money from a, bar, a lender and pay it back responsibly over time. Utilizing your credit card the right way allows you to build your credit score and your borrowing credibility because that goes on your report, right? So that would be the second step, right? First, emergency funds. That's a great goal to have. I think everybody should have it. And credit card debt, getting out of your credit card debt and then utilizing them the right way. And the next thing, you know, this one is a little bit looser than the other three, but, you know, buying instead of renting. Some people rent because they're bopping around. They're not really sure, which is fine. But you're literally essentially you're throwing that money away. And you, I'm going to teach this in a little bit of a deeper manner because I'm sure you've heard your parents and these people that are financially illiterate just because they heard it on the news that you should buy instead of rent. But it never really made sense why, right? Mm -hmm. So you're when you're when you're paying rent, right? You're not you're yes you're getting a roof over your head, but when you move out, you got nothing to show for it. When you're paying a mortgage on a house, let's say the house is worth four hundred thousand dollars and you owe four hundred thousand dollars on it, right? As you're paying the mortgage right? The amount that you owe is going down, mm -hmm. right? And if anything, right, the value on the house too could be rising. So let's just say the value didn't rise at all. It just stayed at 400. And then after a year of paying your mortgage, you now um, only owe 350. You, that means you have $50,000 of equity in that home. That money is yours. If you go to sell the house, you make that $50,000 profit, or you can open up a line of credit in that or take out a loan against that. So it just gives you another asset. It helps you build your wealth, right? Let alone, let's say the value, like this housing market that's going on right now is booming values. Let's say the value rose from 400 to 450. You only owe 350 on it now. Now you have $100,000 equity in that home. That is your money if you go to flip it and sell it. So you're buying, in most instances, an appreciating asset when you go to buy a house, right? And so I hope that makes sense. It's a little bit more advanced, 
right? But then from there, those are your three green lights for investing, I call. So disclaimer, I am not a financial advisor. I can't legally advise on how to invest your money. Wouldn't want to anyways, because I have the best financial advisor in the country who all of our clients have access to, right? Mm -hmm. But point is, is then that's where your financial goal should lie and or where your money is best spent. After that, all of your money, uh, or not all of it, and again, this is not advice, this is just education. You know, you don't need any more money in a savings account because you'd be losing money on inflation, right? Because your savings account is giving you maybe a half of a percentage if you're lucky. Inflation each year is 2.2%. So if you're putting any more money into a savings account that's above the necessary amount of emergency funds you need, you're losing money. You have no more credit card debt to pay off and you've owned instead of rent, right? So if you have no other financial goals, you should be investing or uh, educational piece. Uh, and from an educational standpoint, it'd be best maybe for you to invest that money to start building that passive wealth or passive and generational wealth, right? Mm -hmm. And then you know you can save for other things too as well. But that's basically from a general standpoint, without knowing people's unique variables, that's where the four main financial goals should lie, and almost in that order too as well. And I love that breakdown intrinsically talking about good debt versus bad debt. So thinking about that bad debt, that credit card debt, that debt that's accruing um, interest, and then that good debt, right, if you're buying a home, right, so that is something, again, appreciating value, something that you have equity in, so more of good debt versus bad debt. So even exactly. just- even just expanding our idea of what debt is and what debt might be able to do for us as a tool versus this kind of black, white, of all debt is bad, which I think is yes. also kind of a, a, a money um, idea that a lot of us have learned at some point in our lives, just that debt is bad as a kind of blanket statement. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a, uh, if you didn't have go ahead, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's okay. one thing I do want to, uh, go a little bit deeper and you got to understand all debt is not bad. Unfortunately, there are some quote unquote financial gurus out there. And I think a couple people know who I'm talking about when it gets mentioned, but they talk about all debt bad, go buy cars and houses and cash. It's like, for one, who the heck has money laying around to go buy a car and a house and cash? And why would you do that to what? Save the 3% on the mortgage and, or, you know, the one, I got a 1% interest rate on my, on my car loan. It's just like, why would you do that, right? Just allow yourself, hold on to that money. Use somebody else's money, let's say for a mortgage like the bank to allow you to leverage it at a very low interest rate to buy you an asset that will increase your wealth over time, right? And then also with like a car loan, even with that, like I would not go pay cash for a, a car, especially if it's in the $20,000, $30,000 range. For what? To save yourself a couple percentages um, on, on the loan? It doesn't make any sense. You could easily beat that percentage, let's say 1% um, in the stock market or other investments by holding on to that money. Hold on to your money, beat that 1%, earn more, make the payment, earn more, make the payment, earn more, make the payment. And that money goes nowhere. If anything, it's sitting around for an emergency if it pops up and or invested in somehow, some way making you money, right? And then also in the grand scheme of things, it allows you to build borrowing credibility again. So please, on my Instagram and you know TikTok and stuff too, is that we break down the difference between good debt and bad debt. And I promise you, not all debt is bad. And we teach you how to leverage the good debt to actually build wealth and open doors for you. So I'm sorry, I'm going to cut you off, but oh, I was no, like, no. I got to touch on that one. That is a huge topic. <laughs> no, that was so good. Thank you so much. Now, unfortunately, we are at the end of our time together this morning, but I want to get some more information from you because you've mentioned you have all these great free resources that I know folks will want to take advantage of. So how can folks find the Facebook group? How can folks find you? Yeah. Um, give us your information, please. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram, which would be the easiest part because 
Our free Facebook group is in my bio on my Instagram. And so is also my Calendly link. So if you want to call with me, I literally take free one-on-ones with everybody. I'll take a call with you because I love talking about this stuff. I'm, I don't want you to look anywhere else when it comes to your finances. I promise you, in all modesty, you are listening to the best source out there that can help you. And I'll do anything I can help you because that's my main intention is to help you. Help you bridge that gap. Help you answer these questions. I am sick of people walking around with these unnecessary stresses and anxieties and missed opportunities from answers that I could give you on an hour call or with a free Facebook group. So you can find me on Instagram and Justin underscore Buonamo. So B U O N O M O. I know it's a little bit disaster, but it'll come up. It'll say personal finance coach too, as well, right? Feel free to DM me, look around the Instagram page and in the link or in the bio, there is a link to the free Facebook group where in that group, we have four free trainings pinned at the top around budgeting, credit card debt and proper use, emergency funds and buying a house. I promise you these, these trainings are worth a couple thousand dollars a piece and we're giving them to you for free and we'll also give you a call for free. And then when you're ready, we offer the best product in the world for your finances. We offer a lifetime JFF membership. So for no additional fee after you pay the initial cost, you have lifetime year-round access to our live group coaching, all of our analysis, like the budget, the credit card debt analysis, all those ones I alluded to, our inner circle Facebook group, which is the most, it's separate from this free one, the most valuable piece of the puzzle where I go live in there all the time, answer questions. I record just exclusive content. Just today, I recorded six pieces of exclusive content that you will not learn and or see anywhere else besides that group. Um, And then also, we also offer a ton of other perks, but it counts for your household. So it's one fee for the entire household. So if you have a spouse, 17 kids and your brother lives with you, you all count for that one membership and that one fee. And for the rest of your life for year round, you have live complete access to us to make sure we really do optimize those finances. And so anything I can do to help you guys, please, please reach out, please blow my DMs, please blow my calendar up. I promise you I'm here for you. And I really want to do anything I can to help you. And it's been a pleasure on here talking to you. And I hope we can do round two soon. (laughs) Yes, yes. Justin, thank you so much. I know that money can be such a source of stress and anxiety, and it doesn't have to be. So thank you so much for sharing some of your time with us this morning. Of course. Thank you again to Justin Buonamo of Just Financial Foundations. This has been such an insightful and really, I think, empowering and freeing conversation. I love Justin's focus on forgiveness, on stewarding your current situation and understanding that you do have some opportunities regardless of what your financial situation may be. And so I love approaching money from this very confident point of view versus the stress and anxiety that we may oftentimes feel. So for today's positive note, I'm going to leave you with this quote that says, money is only a tool. It will take you wherever you wish, but it will not replace you as the driver. So just stay encouraged that each of us has control over our money situation We just have to learn the best ways to steward our current situation and give ourselves some grace for not learning some of these money management tips 
earlier in our lives. This is Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM. You can catch me here next Monday. And for folks who maybe have joined today's show a little later, remember you can always catch this program on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you stream podcasts. Until next Monday, I'm Sutta.